Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our and from our from and from our excuse me and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Happy circumcision in name of Jesus. Uh, it doesn't quite have a good tone to it, does it? Um, that may have been a surprise to some of y'all when you came here and you thought, "What's well, the first Sunday after Christmas?" Right? Shouldn't we do that? Well. On January 1st of every year, the church uh, remembers this good work that Jesus did for us in being, in being, in being, it doesn't help that I can't say it easily, circumcised uh, to fulfill the covenant that God had established. And we're going to talk a little bit today about why we think this is a big deal, or why we should, why it's important for us to commemorate this, to celebrate this, when it seems to be just a little blip, right? I mean, that's the shortest gospel lesson I've ever read, and I probably ever will read. One verse, right? One verse that at the end of eight days when he, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now, what do we do with that? Well, Scripture interprets Scripture, so we have to take a look at what other Scripture we have. Um, On some level, it's very good that we have the text for the Old Testament from from Numbers chapter 6 with the the benediction um, that we hear every week. And hearing that within the context of that, so shall they put my name upon the people, upon the people, upon the people, excuse me, upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. That within this name, within this blessing is God's name, that his name brings blessing to all those who trust in it. That the name of Jesus means Yahweh saves. There's something to a name. But we have to kind of go back to Genesis to see where this all started. Genesis 17, where we see that God establishes a covenant. He establishes a covenant with Abraham, but first he renames him from Abram to Abraham. That Abram means, means, uh, excuse me, that Abram means the exalted Father, but Abraham means father of a father of of father of a multitude. So already there, with circumcision and the covenant, a name is given, a name that promises blessing, a name that promises God's grace. But we see here that any uncircumcised male who is not who has not done so who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Now, I'm not going to try really, really hard not to make jokes here. Um, St. Paul does on some level in Galatians, but we're not going to go there. The fact is, is that whoever does not, according to this covenant, do this or have it done to them, they're cut off from their people. And God says that this shall be a covenant that will last forever. Now, what do we do with that? We don't have that as a covenant. It's not a requirement to have this done. So what do we do? 
Well, we see from Galatians 3, now that faith has come, we are no longer under the guardian of the law. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as, for, for, excuse me, for, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. That baptism takes the place of the circumcision. And that's a good thing. Because that means it's for everyone, not just for the males. It's for everyone. Everyone is baptized. Everyone is a son of God now. Everyone receives God's grace who is baptized and who trusts in him. But I'm going to throw a little curveball at y'all today. Would you believe me if I said something like, um, baptism is actually more painful Baptism is actually more painful than, than, excuse me, than circumcision. You probably don't believe me, do you? Baptism is more painful than circumcision. I, well, you see on the artwork for the, for the, the, the bulletins today, there's a knife. There's no cutting. There's no blood. There's nothing like that in baptism, is there? That circumcision is actually less painful than baptism is a tough thing to understand. But the pain that comes from that procedure lasts for a short time. But we know that in baptism, we receive God's grace, but also we receive a challenge. That now as God's baptized children who trust in him, we have a target on our backs. Satan is coming after us. We are engaged in a battle every single day that the pain that we face subduing our flesh and denying the world and Satan and his, his, and his temptations, it's a struggle. It's difficult. It's not easy being a Christian. That our covenant of grace is one that is deeper than, than the skin. Our covenant of grace goes straight to our hearts. That God changes our hearts now through his word, through his water that washes us clean of our sin. That being now his children, we truly live. And we live in struggle and in hardship that we believe that there was one who, while he obeyed every fact of the law, he was still cut off for our sakes. That Jesus Christ, even though he did everything that was needed to save himself, He did not do it for his sake. He did it for ours. That even to the tiniest point of his law, he kept for your sake and for the sake of those who don't keep God's law perfectly, which is everybody. That for the sake of those who were not God's people, he was cut off from his people. 
But now, because he has been cut off for our sakes, we have been made holy. We have been set apart for something greater. Because that's what God's, God's, God's covenant of grace has always meant to do. To distinguish us from other people who don't trust in God. Not to show that we're better, but to show that the one we trust in is greater than anything out there. We are set apart for God in baptism now, and thus cut off from the rest of this world. Yet, part of that struggle that I talked about before is that whenever somebody asks us, what do you like to do for fun? Is the first answer, oh, I love reading my Bible. Come on, really? That'd be great. And if you do, God bless you. That's wonderful. Is your first answer to, like, what kind of hobbies do you have? I love memorizing hymns. And the Psalms, oh, I can't get enough of them. The Proverbs, let me tell you my favorite one. How about my favorite dozen? No, usually people say, what do you like to do for fun? Oh, I love smoking cigars. Love drinking whiskey. Love listening to rock music. Okay, fine. But... Well, rock music, now more and more I hear about things as far as music in the popular culture. I just go, oh, I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't take it. It's just terrible. So we tend to identify with our baser instincts and passions as opposed to our God-given piety, our God-given godliness. That even as baptized children, we still are enticed by the world because we don't want to seem lame or stuck up. Or stuffy, that we emphasize bourbon over God's Bible, that we emphasize rock music over the Psalms and hymns. The devil, they say, has the best tunes, but that's a lie. Satan does not have the best tunes. The only thing that Satan can do is to steal, twist, and cheapen. That's all he really does. He makes you think that he's got all the good stuff. He makes you promises that if you just give in to that sinful desire, what he promises will be fulfilled. But it never is. It's a lie. Sin is a lie. It always promises everything but delivers nothing. In fact, it doesn't just deliver nothing. It steals from you God's grace and peace and mercy. It steals from you the comfort of your conscience that God has given you through the blood of Christ. Our hobbies, now, I think, really should be focused on those good things of God, like reading your Bible, like singing hymns, praying, along with other really good and godly habits. Start there with those first few. And then branch out from there. But start there. In some sense, this is the perfect text for the first day of the new year. It's a perfect text. Because we see, not as a part of our gospel text for today, but later on in chapter 2 of Luke, we see that when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of, of, of Nazareth. 
And the child, that's Jesus, grew and became strong, filled, filled, filled with, with wisdom. And the favor of God was upon him. Now, for us who are baptized children of God, co-heirs with Christ, his dearly beloved sons, that he would do anything for, we likewise are given our names in baptism. And we have a habit, or at least we have had a habit in our church, that we should daily rise and remember our baptism. Remember the name that has been placed on us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Remember the name that we are given to be called by that is written in God's book of life. Remember that we belong to him and not to Satan anymore. Remember these things so that you will be made strong to fight the temptations that surely come your way. That we, on the first of the year, in our culture, tend to make a lot of promises of getting better of improving, of doing more, the things we should be doing. Let's try that in the light of being baptized. Let's try that within the light of being God's children so that by his grace we will grow and become strong, filled with wisdom and the favor of God being upon us. Not because of what we do, but because he's already placed it on us in baptism in washing us clean. Maybe this will help us in our day-to-day -day struggle, that baptism is a lot like salt. How so? Well, if you cook, what do you use salt for? Make things taste better, but not just that, it pulls out the flavor. It makes things taste more like what they're supposed to taste like. Baptism is like salt in the sense that it makes us more of who we ought to be. It reminds us of who we really are. It reminds us that we are new creations in Christ, that we are children of God, co-heirs of salvation. So this means that our new life as God's sons is not static. It's not just a matter of saying, well, God's okay with me and I'm okay with him. I'm just going to go do what I want to do. Go drink my bourbon, go smoke my cigars, go listen to my rock music, because, hey, it's all good, man. That our life is not static. That we are to grow. Not by our own strength, but by God's and by his grace and his favor and his divine wisdom. We are to grow strong in him because of him, by him. So in this new year, seek to grow in God's, 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 excuse me, God's wisdom and his understanding and the faith that he has placed on you in baptism. And if it helps you to kind of, with some negative reinforcement, uh, Luther was fond of saying that if, between the first of the year and the last of the year, if you don't learn anything more about Jesus or God or your faith, if you don't learn anything within a whole year, you've broken the third commandment. You have not, you have not, you have not remembered the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, by setting it apart, by 
remembering what God has done for you in his word, by cherishing, by holding on to it, keeping it fast, close to your heart, by his grace. These things are a gift. So let us enjoy them. We just got got done with Christmas. In fact, we're still in the Christmas season. We haven't reached... um, We haven't reached Friday yet, January 6th, Uh, so we're still in the Christmas season. We've enjoyed our gifts that we've gotten, so let us give thanks and praise to God for the gift of salvation, the gift of new life, not just in heaven, but here on earth, to live, to love, and to serve because of what Christ has done all for you. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.